Lord, thank you that you have revealed your heart to us. And Lord, that you have granted us access into your presence by the way of the cross. Lord, I pray over our congregation today that there would not be one person that would stop short. That we would draw near to you and Lord, that we would drop all preconceived ideas of what that's supposed to look like or why we won't or all hesitations, Lord, that we would cast that all aside as garbage because that's what it is. And Lord, we would run into your presence, God. Those that are here who don't know you personally, I pray that today would be that day that you would do a miraculous work in their heart, that you would bring to life what was dead. And we just thank you, God, for you're not some distant, cold being just ready to slap us down. You're an intimate, warm God who Jesus taught us as Father, who wants to love us and draw us near, spend time with us. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Few years ago, I've actually been a few times now snorkeling, and uh, the first time I did it, we were down in Belize, and and uh, they they kind of give you a little school on how to snorkel, and you put on this little vest, and, and you can blow it up and float, or you can deflate it and go on down deeper. And uh, I'm now partially deaf because of snorkeling. Uh, I actually, that kind of a compound injury, but my body has a lot of marks left on it from some of my adventurous things. And, uh, but that was one of them in which I was, I was blown away at the fact that out of a group of 20, 30, I don't know how many of us, um, I deflated my vest nearly immediately and I'm, I'm looking at an amazing world I've never known before. And I'm like, why would you not want to get down there close to that? Why would you not want to draw near to the amazement of, of what is down here in this new world? And so I deflated my vest and I'd go down and I, you know, I'd come back for air every now and then because I got to. But <laughs> I'm, I'm blown away by the fact that people were just satisfied just bobbing around and floating. Just floating like a cork on the top. And I was like, why would you not want to experience this? But I'm even more blown away when God says, won't you come into my presence? Won't you come to know me in a deeper, more intimate and personal way? And we say, no, I'm good out here. I'm good out here. It's like having a backstage pass and yet you're hanging out in the parking lot. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. But today I want to look at uh, the picture that God gave us is the, as the temple. It's actually a template, a pattern. A, uh, an order of service. And, and as I said previously in our prayer time, this Bible is one story from beginning to end. It is one story and you see all the different facets of God, but God has an order of worship. And, 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 and as we talked about earlier, we come into his presence with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, with our offerings before the Lord. Every time they gathered, they would bring an offering unto the Lord. And then they would come to that altar and there'd be a transfer Let's just use Passover for an example. The, the, the father of each household would bring a, a lamb before the altar and the priest would be there. And that father would place his head on that lamb, therefore transferring his, his, his sins unto that lamb. And then the lamb would be sacrificed, cleaned, and then cooked on the altar. 
And this was a, a, a lot of significance to this. And we're going to look at some of that today. We're going to look at a picture of Solomon's temple. This was uh, what Solomon, uh, this is not the actual picture. I don't know if y'all recognize that. But, <laughs> but it's like a cartoon sketch uh, of a cutaway of Solomon's temple, which he built uh, based on uh, the tabernacle that Moses received from the Lord on Mount Sinai. God gave him the, the pattern. He gave him, and he said, no freestyling here. You do it just as I told you to. And then Solomon built this temple uh, uh, to be a more permanent. The tabernacle was a tent. It traveled with the nation of Israel as they journeyed through the wilderness. But as they landed in Jerusalem where God promised them that they would be, Solomon built this temple. As you see, it's a cutaway version, so you can actually see inside of it, uh, but I want to point out some of the elements or articles of the temple. What you can't see in this picture is outside is a courtyard, and there was a fence around the outside, and, 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 and then there was another fence, and then another fence. There was separation after separation after separation. As God had chosen the people of Israel, he said, I'm going to make an example out of them how a good and loving God can bless a people. And then he offered all of that, all of us, that blessing. But we're just going to kind of get a, a zoomed in view of some of the articles. And first you see the altar. As they would come into the temple complex, bringing their sacrifice before the Lord, they would meet with the priest and the priest would sacrifice that animal. And they would offer it as a, uh, there were numerous types of offerings, but they would offer it on that altar and they would cook it there. And they would actually fellowship with one another eating that offering. But, but notice that first you go and you have a baptism, a baptism of blood. There was a blood offering. And, and for the priest, they would come and, and in order to be sanctified, in order to be able to go into the presence of God, they had to have a baptism of blood. Now, that sounds gory and gruesome, and uh, it probably would be if you actually were completely immersed in blood. But what God would do, he said, let me give, give you a way to do that. I want you, after the sacrifice, to, to put uh, uh, blood on your right earlobe, on your right thumb and on your right toe and that will be a picture of a baptism of blood in other words because of the shedding of blood the sin had been removed and now you have access into the presence of God those priests would then be baptized in blood now I want you to think back for a second on the second song we sing talked about in the garden if you remember in the garden, what they were granted was access with God. They would walk around with God, Adam and Eve would, in the cool of the morning. There was no separation. There was an intimacy with God. There was a deep personal intimacy with God. And I want you to see that in this temple, uh, you, you can't quite tell it from our picture, but it's a recreation of the garden. You have on the, the curtains, it would be fruit trees and, and, and it would be all beautifully ornate. And, and as you would go in, you would see pomegranates. That's kind of what a, those little things are there, the pictures of pomegranates. And there would be pomegranates all throughout. And it was a picture of the garden. And, and, and so just kind of keep that in mind as God was restoring the broken relationship. Amen. You with me? Is all this foreign to you? Y'all connected to it? I hope that this is interesting uh, because this is God's template for worship. As blood sacrifice was made, then there would be a washing. This is known as the laver or the pool. And the, the priest would be then washed, be washed before you could go in. And, and, and there's a lot of pictures here, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, how that relates to us as Christians. As they were then washed, they could then go into the holy place. 
into the presence of God. And as they would go into this, this room was all gold. It was just covered in gold. And maybe you can see some of those palm trees and there was fruit trees. But, but right here, those are called menorahs or lampstands. And those things were made to look like a tree. They, the, they would have these almond blossoms on there. And, and it was a, a tree of life, which was actually a tree of light. And those things would have olive oil running through there and that olive oil would be lit and illuminated. And don't you know that golden room was just glorious. It just shined. And so we have these, these trees of life. We're actually the trees of light. And that light represents the Holy Spirit. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. And then there's this bread. There's this table of the bread of presence. The bread of presence. And those priests would come in and they would eat Together, They would have bread and there would be wine on that table and they'd fellowship with one another in the presence of God. And then there at the back is this altar of incense and, and coals had been removed from the outdoor altar and drawn into the indoor altar. And, and, and this altar is made out of bronze and this is made out of bronze and everything on the outside is made out of bronze. I want you to know that bronze is a picture, it is a symbolism of judgment. The symbolism of judgment. When you see a picture of, in the book of Revelation of Jesus and he's got feet as bronze, it is the picture of his judgment on those who refused him, who walked away from God. Everything on the outside is bronze and it is representative of judgment, but everything on the inside is gold and it's representative of divinity. God took our judgment upon himself on the altar and Jesus Christ took our judgment. So now we have access into the presence of God. Amen. There's your temple, and it's a template for worship. And there on that altar of incense, which is made of gold, they would, they would sprinkle these granular incense, and the smoke would rise up. And that's also referred to in the book of Revelation. And it says it's the prayers of the saints rising up before God. What you don't see is inside that room back there, the Holy of Holies. It is in there that the Ark of the Covenant sits. And on the Ark of the Covenant, uh, some of y'all Indiana Jones fans know what it looked like. One of my favorite movies. There's uh, two cherubim on the top and God would, would reside there above the mercy seat between the cherubim that sat. And, and it is in that room that the, the glory of God would go up as a pillar of fire by night and smoke by day. And so don't you know that as the smoke would rise up from this altar of incense, it would combine with that glory of God and there would be this closeness, this unity as man came into the presence of God. Now, problem with this, this pattern here is that there was all kinds of separation. The only person that could go into that room was the high priest. And only one day a year. The only people that could go into that room was his family, the priests. And, and so only one family of one tribe of Israel could go into that room and only on certain days of the year when it was their time to go in. Then the only people that could do this work out here were a tribe. And so you had a separation by title. You had a separation by family. You had a separation by tribe. And then you go further out. There's another courtyard. You had a separation by gender. Only men could go this far. Women had to stay out there. Outside of that, you had a separation by race. The Gentiles out there, the Jews in here. Outside of that, another courtyard and this was a separation by religion if you didn't want to come and worship God you wouldn't if you weren't looking for Yahweh the one true God you didn't come inside that courtyard 
Separation, 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 separation. And this is a sad story because God wants to have a relationship with humanity. And yet because he needed to show us that our sins have separated us from God, he, he, he presented this picture. This picture, this picture has a perfect resemblance of something, but he hadn't come yet. But when he does come, when he did come, it made all of this picture make sense. And his name was Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, I want to look at what Jesus did. When Jesus began his ministry, he begins breaking down barriers. He begins demolishing these walls of separation. And as he's, walk, as he's walking about doing ministry, he's breaking down these walls. He, he's, he's, all of these uh, uh, cultural divides, he starts messing with them. People didn't uh, associate with that race of people. They were the Samaritans. They were a, a mixed breed of, uh, of Judaism and other religions. And they didn't, they didn't associate with one another. Uh, women were treated just slightly above cattle. They, they were more of a possession than they were uh, a person. And, and so there was that separation. And then there was the, the cultural separation of class. And, and Jesus messed with that because he hung out with poor people. And then there were the, these... Uh, uh, um, uh, this uh, uh, kind of a creed separation. Uh, you had those who were the religious ones and you had those who were the sinners, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and Jesus hung out with those people. He, he, just didn't, he just didn't listen to what the culture said was okay and was not okay. He started just breaking down separations, amen, and knocking down walls. And that was before the cross. But then when he went to the cross, inside that Holy of Holies, this was actually a, a, a veil, a very thick veil. We're told about six inches, and, and it was super tall. And, uh, and they said that when he died on the cross, the scriptures tell us that that veil was torn from top to bottom. And this is because God said, separations are over. Separations are done. Jesus took care of them, and now welcome on in. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that he took care of this word. And this is the word enmity. Just know that enmity is a word for separation or, or, or a bit of a fight, okay? And that, that man had a separation from God. There was a, 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 um, a fight. A, 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 uh, we were enemies. That's the best way to remember that word enmity. We were enemies with God. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he, Jesus, himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Amen. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. And so we had the separation of Jew and Gentile. We had this separation of those in a relationship with God, those outside relationship with God. We had the separation of God and man. And Jesus just took care of all of that and provided for us, if we so choose, access to God. Amen? And it just goes on. Uh, let me just keep reading because that's some good stuff right here. Uh, what verse am I on anyways? Verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace. We've been preaching peace a lot lately. He came and preached peace to those who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, amen, 
but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, it's given you the picture of a temple, and yet the building blocks of the temple are people. Are people, because he has built us into the house of God, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom all, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Amen. There is a significance to that temple drawing for you and I today. There is a significance that you and I have been made into this dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And so there's these building blocks of the house of God and, and you are, as the Bible calls us, living stones. We're on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but I want to try and keep it a little more simple for now. And I want to talk about how the separation has been broken down and you've been allowed access into the presence of God. Why would you dare stop short? Why would you dare stop short? God says, Hey, come on in. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want you to know my heart and I want to know yours. And you say, no, thanks. I'm good with a parking lot. Like, why would you dare do that? It's one thing for people to be bobbing around on the surface of the water and be afraid to, to go into the deeper depths of water. But when to, to go into the deeper depths of a relationship with God, why would you stop short? Some would say, because it's dangerous in there. Let me tell you, the only thing that's going to die in the deeper depths of relationship with God is your unbelief. It's your unbelief. So if you come by the altar or the way of the cross, you now have access into a relationship with God. If you come by the, the crucified Savior who has died on behalf of your sins and my sins, and he took my sins to the cross, and, he, and, and they, they died there with him, and yet he rose from the, the dead, and now I can have a relationship with him, why would I stop short? But we have those that do. We have those who just want to hang out in the parking lot God says, no, I want you to come on in. Now, let's show you the pictures that we see here and the spiritual significance for you and me today. As I pointed out, the altar in which the sacrifice was, was, was slain and, and, and there was a whole burnt offering in which they would burn the whole thing on that altar. It was a picture of Jesus. He was taken outside of the city and was crucified out there and he died in our place and God's judgment fell upon him so they wouldn't have to fall on me. Amen. That's good news, by the way. That's why we call it the gospel. The gospel means good news. And it is good news that I don't have to fear the judgment of God. I don't have to fear those bronze feet because I have seen the beautiful eyes of God. Because he have looked upon me with his love and has drawn me into relationship with him. And so because of the cross, I can have a relationship with God. But that baptism of blood is not the end. When Solomon built this temple, they had sacrifice after sacrifice. Thousands of animals he sacrificed would place on that altar. But that was not the end. There was the baptism of water. They would wash themselves and make themselves pure so that they could go into the inner courts. But that was not the end. I want to read to you a scripture that... Uh, let me tell you, when Solomon built this magnificent place, it says in chapter 7, verse 1 of 2 Chronicles, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 
The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord uh, on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. He is what? Good. And his mercy endures how long? Forever. Amen. And so it wasn't complete when they made the sacrifice. It wasn't complete when they made the offerings, the washings. It was complete when fire fell down. And I want you to know that there are three baptisms. There's a baptism of blood. There's a baptism of water. There's a baptism of fire. And why would you stop short? Why would you stop short? When we see this picture, we see that there's a pattern that we need to live by, that we need a relationship by, that we have a fellowship by, and then there's worship by. And so as they go in now into the presence of God, and this is known as the bread of presence, it is illuminated by the fire of the Holy Spirit, those lamps. You have a relationship with God, but Jesus promised you that you have a helper who will come alongside you and teach him everything that he commanded you. And his name is Holy Spirit. And through this helper, our, our, our comforter, our counselor, our teacher, he illuminates the truth of God's word to us. But then there's also a fellowship going on inside there. And I have Baptist roots and we like fellowships. Some might call them an eating meeting. But I want to tell you, this kind of a meeting, this fellowship was a deep personal relationship fellowship with God the Father with Christ the Son, with the Holy Spirit illuminating it all, and with one another. I'd like to point out to you that that fellowship is truly a picture of the church. That Ephesians passage that we looked at is a picture of the church. And that the Christians have come together building this temple of God. And I have to point out to you that if you have not connected to a church, you're stopping short. You're stopping short. You'll see this pattern arise over and over and over through scriptures. I'm only just touching the surface and just barely at that. But Jesus Christ had a plan for his people. And that, were, and that plan is that we would be connected to one another. That we would be united to one another. That we would be in fellowship with one another. I want to tell you the greatest, one of the, one of the greatest helps that you have, Christian, besides a relationship with God the Father, a fellowship with Christ the Son, and, and, and illumination through the Holy Spirit and God's Word, one of the greatest uh, graces that you have is each other. It's us having one another. Amen? But when I'm struggling and my faith seems small, I can come alongside one of my brothers and sisters and they can encourage me in my faith and cause me to trust again in my great God. Amen. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. I want to look in, a, in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, it comes out of chapter 3 and says there's, there's nothing that we have to fear. We can come into the presence of God now. And we don't have to fear. But then chapter 4, verse 1, it says you need to fear one thing. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest. How many of y'all like rest? I mean, I like me some rest. Yesterday was my Sabbath day and I rested on the Sabbath day and I don't get to rest on Sundays. I get to preach three sermons in a row and by the end of the day, I can barely hold my head up. I, I, I work on the Lord's day, but I rest on my Sabbath day. And I, now I used to hate Saturdays. Growing up, I used to hate Saturdays. My dad used to make us work so hard on Saturdays. It was from can to can't, from daylight to dark. We worked. And now today, I'm my own man. 
<laughs> and I rest. Praise the Lord. Watch some football. Watch Oklahoma get beat. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. Don't stop short. Let us fear that we would come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, for they did not mix it with faith. Why would you stop short? Because of unbelief. But if you truly trust him, you believe in him, you won't stop short. You'll continue to draw closer and closer and closer. One old preacher friend I had, he said this, if you just simply came to God for his salvation, if you only wanted his salvation, then as soon as you got it, you'd quit coming. As soon as you recognize that you received his salvation, you'd stop. So I'm good now. I got my fire insurance. It said, if you truly came to God for him, you'd keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. By the way, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. And that's what this is a picture of. He says, come into my presence, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And by the way, that bread on that table with the bread and wine, it's a picture of our communion today. And he says, it is the, the, the sacrifice was killed out here, but there's a living bread on the inside. His name is Jesus Amen. He's the living bread, the bread of life, the one who died yet now lives. The God who became flesh and died in his flesh. But then he was glorified and rose from the dead. And now you can know him. Amen. I want to also look in Hebrews chapter six in verse one. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. In other words, it's time to graduate grade school. Discuss, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on. Don't stop short. Let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. In other words, I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to just hang out on the salvation message. There are deeper things. Of, uh, and, and moving on from the, the basic principles, the elementary principles of the doctrine of baptisms. See, it's a whole other sermon coming again. Baptism of blood, baptism of water, baptism of fire. Of laying out of hands, elementary principles. Of resurrection of the dead, elementary principle. And eternal judgment. He says we need to, go be, we need to get beyond grade school. We need to go into deeper things. And God wants you to come into a deeper relationship with you. He, he wants you to, to, to know him in a deeper fashion. Paul, who wrote more of the Bible than anybody, he said, I want to know God. Not say, Paul, I think you do know God. He said, I want to know him in deeper fashion. I want to know him in the, in, the, in the fellowship of his suffering. Nobody signs up for that school, by the way. No one says, oh, I want me some suffering. Paul said, I'll suffer that I might know him better. And he says, because I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. When I have suffered and whatever I have suffered through, as I have drawn near to God, I have come to know him better through the suffering. I've come to know him better through the suffering. Anyway, let's move on to uh, uh, chapter. Am I still in six? I covered six. Let's move on to chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 19. I love this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Did y'all catch that? 
You've been granted access into the deep, glorious presence of God. That in that holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant dwells, dwells and God dwells above the Ark of the Covenant, where it used to only one man, only one day of year could actually enter into that presence, God says, you can enter that presence. Of course, no, there's no actual temple there in Jerusalem anymore. There's no actual building there. It's, a, it's actually a, a, a mosque there, a Muslim mosque there. And so, so no, the, that actual facility is not there. He says, you are the actual facility. God comes and dwells among you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you can have the boldness, the confidence, the courage to enter into the greatest depths of the Lord, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Amen by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. If you'll remember, the veil was torn from top to bottom telling us that Jesus, through his death, provided access that we might go into the presence of the Lord. Verse 20 says, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, look at verse 22, let us draw near. Amen. Why would you stop short? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see the pattern again? I'm telling you, this was not just something for Old Testament Jews. It's something for New Testament saints. Amen. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, church. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I need to get stirred up sometimes. You know what? You know, actually, in the, if you're reading the NIV right now, uh, that verse of scripture is one I used to use a lot. It says in order to spur on one another. Well, I know what that does. <laughs> I know a little bit of something about spurring something on and it says sometimes you need a little bit of encouragement. Now, uh, uh, bad horse trainers think that spurs are meant for punishment. It's not meant for punishment. It's meant to make that horse light and sensitive. And here's what I want to be toward God, light and sensitive. He just touches me and I know it's God. He just whispers to me and I know it's God and I know what he's calling me to do. And he says, let us spur on one another. Let us stir up one another towards love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And do you not see that the day is approaching? And what does he say? We don't need to start. Uh, we don't need to stop gathering together. We need to do it more. So much more as you see the day approaching. And it goes back to the picture of that temple in which those priests would come into that together and they would enjoy the sacrifice. They would enjoy the bread and wine. They would enjoy the prayers. That incense, that altar of incense would fill the entire place and would mingle in with the presence of God and go up into the glorious heavens as it tells us in Revelation. That the, the incense on that altar was the prayer of the saints. By the way, Christian, if you are a child of God, you've been called a priest. You don't have to stay out in the court of the Gentiles. You don't have to stop because you're a woman. You don't have to stop because you're not of the tribe of Levi. You don't have to stop because you're not of the family of Aaron. You've been granted access all the way into the presence of God. Amen. 
So why would you stop? Why would you stop? And it goes on to tell us over and over again that you can approach the throne of grace with confidence, having the boldness to enter into his presence. Why would we stop short? So I want to have a time to pause and just do a little spiritual inventory. And we're going to have communion. As we stop and have a little spiritual inventory, I want to ask you, have you been by the way of the cross? Or are you still hanging out in the courtyard? I'm not meaning literally hanging out in the parking lot. I mean of your faith. Are you just watching others go in and say, well, I'll just examine it from here. I, I, it's, it blows my mind. It's not how I'm wired. I'm not built this way to know that others can experience uh, great excitement and great thrills and great joy. And, and for me to just know about it intellectually. No, I got to know about it experientially. I want to know him experientially, not just know about him. I need, to, I need to know that I have not stopped short, but I've gone into the deepest presence of the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never done that. Maybe you've believed in God, but you've never called upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want us all to bow our heads together and pray. I want to give you that opportunity right now, right now. This is your day. I want to invite you to pray a prayer like this with me. There's no magic words of this prayer. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. Turning your heart to the Lord and saying, Lord, you have all of my life. I give myself to you. And so here's a prayer of salvation. It goes something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And that Jesus, you are the Savior. That you died on the cross for my sins and I ask you, forgive me of my sins. Become the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. Scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here today and you made that, that prayer, that confession for this first time, that you, you had that prayer, would you just say, hey, that's me. Today I got saved. You just testify by raising your hand. Just testify and say, I, I am now a child of God. I'm a Christian. Praise God. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just tell you, you've been granted access into the fullness of God. And with that access, Christians, we're going we're gonna to fellowship together in communion. And remember... The cross shows where Jesus died. Communion shares with us that he still lives. Amen. And that he still lives and that he lives within his children, that we can have a relationship with him. And, and so it, we continue to trust him, the living bread. So this is not a creamer packet in front of you. Find this. This is a handy little communion packet. And we invite you to join with us in communion. If you're a child of God, you're a part of the church, the living temple. And we invite you to join in. Just picture yourself being in that holy place with the other priests. God's granted you access into his presence. Lord Jesus, thank you. You're not dead, you're alive. I serve a living savior. 
And Lord, I just thank you that you gave your body to be torn, that my body might be made whole. And this act is a faith act, which I remind myself that Jesus Christ broke the curse. Lord, I'm reminded that in the garden, the intimacy was broken by the eating of a tree. And that's where the intimacy started, the separation. By the eating of a tree, a tree that would lead to death. Oh, they thought it'd give them a good life. It brought them death. But then there would be another tree, that tree of death that would actually turn into our life. And that was the cross. And we're reminded that Jesus broke the curse on the cross. And so, Lord Jesus, I look to you and I say, thank you. Thank you that the living God dwells within me and you are my source of strength. You are my source of healing. You are my source of everything. I trust in you. And this is simply a faith action to remind myself all that is found in Jesus. We love you, Lord. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Hebrews, when it talks about that old, old covenant temple, it said, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away the sins of man. But Jesus can. He is the fulfillment of that Old Testament covenant. And he told us, I bring you a new covenant. It's the covenant of his blood. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you gave us a new and living way, that you are that new and living way. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you paid for our salvation with your blood and that through you we now have life. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's something interesting about that, that temple picture. The priest, by the way, Christian, you are one of those now. You have been granted access. You can have personal relationship with God. You don't have to come to me. I'd be glad to pray for you. But you don't have to have access through a preacher or another human being. Oh, I got to go through them to get to God. No, you went through him to get to God. You went through Christ to get to God. You've been called a priest. Here's what they would do. They would go from altar to altar. Altar to altar. From sacrifice of praise to prayer. Praise to prayer. Praise to prayer. And that's the way we ought to be. Amen. From praise to prayer. So we're going back to praise. Amen. We're going to have a time of praise and prayer. And we're going to have our altar team. Everybody stand together. Our altar team will be at the front. And maybe you would like someone to pray over you. And uh, they'll be at the corners. Or maybe you just want to come pray at the altar yourself. But you've been granted access. Don't stop short. Maybe you want to come to one of these of the altar team and say, Hey, today I prayed that prayer and received Christ as my Savior. Made Him the Lord of my life. Do that today. Don't stop short.